I'll uh, open us in prayer. Uh, Lord, um, just be with us today. Help the words that you've given me that I've written down to ring true and um, honest. Um, Help us to hear what you want, um, not what we want. And just be with us um, and keep us safe. Um, We're going to start with the Ecclesiastes prayer. It's on the front of the packet. Uh, Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. If you see a province... If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But it is, but this is gain for a land in every way, a king, a king committed to cultivated lands. Ecclesiastes 5, 8-9. through 9. The fun thing about Ecclesiastes is that there is a bunch of sections with turns of phrase that mean nothing now. There are also a bunch of sections that have, that hold little active hope. There are also several sections about nothing. This is a fun section with all of those one, all of those things in one piece. Every person I showed this, these verses to kind of looked at me and responded with, oh, good luck. which left me with the abundance of confidence that I would be able to get through this with the ability to make sense of the phrases from a, long, from a time long past and a defeating statement about who we are as people. What the author is talking about is really a message about how the poor are set to the side and are systematically treated worse because of their inability to earn enough money or hold on to enough land. Good thing we conquered this problem long ago and now in our modern day world we don't have to deal with it, right? If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. What is being said here is quite literally, do not be surprised to see oppression and people being mistreated. Do not be confused by the fact that those below are mistreated. Yet we are, every single day, shocked by the lacking of those around us. We lament the needs of kids without food. We cry out about farmers being stripped of their lands and generational business owners losing their businesses. We cry tears for those that are suffering from addictions. Each day across the world, there are people that look at the less and are amazed. It is hard to say that we shouldn't be because it honestly feels like defeat to know I should wake up and expect pain and suffering for people. But it clearly says, do not be amazed. What does this mean? To stop caring? To feel, it feels like that, that we should just give up the heavy burden of sadness of the world and stop trying to fix it. Because really, isn't it overwhelming to look at the change that we can affect and realize that it's almost nothing? I cannot heal addicts, feed every hungry child, and protect those in need. I cannot save the world. You cannot save the world. Because even if we save one person, we will wake up tomorrow and there will be another broken soul in another broken situation. It can easily and quickly feel like the only option is to become callous to the pain of the world. It continues to say, for the high official is watched by a higher and there yet higher, higher ones over them. According to the commentaries, this is talking about how government structures work. 
that in any system of the government, poor people will be left out and forgotten because if the needy show up asking for help to one person, they will, the person they will be asking will ask their boss and they will ask their boss and so on and so on until the needs are forgotten and it becomes about policy and not people. What a relief. The systems have always been screwed up. I feel like this is one of the biggest and most encouraging things about Ecclesiastes. It is a reminder that we aren't the first or the last to screw up. When a child knows their parents have made a mistake and have been forgiven, the child learns that they are safe to make mistakes because they will be forgiven. As we continue to learn that the world has always been the same, we continue to grow in the knowledge that we do not bear the burden to fix it. We aren't left with the burden to save the world, and we aren't supposed to be surprised with the suffering of the poor. This seems to leave us in sort of a limbo of what to do. How do you care, be kind, be compassionate, offer grace, and show others love of Jesus while not being amazed at the state of the world? We can't. Simply put, Jesus fills in the holes. That is enough because he is enough. No government in the world will ever do enough to help people, to stop violence, protect the interests, or protect the interests of anyone. No president, chancellor, prime minister, king, queen, dictator, or alien overlord is ever going to be able to care for all the needs of their people, even the best and kindest leaders. I am a leader in my family, and I have five kids, and I miss the needs, wants, and desires of those people. I make mistakes with their hearts, and I assume I have I always known what's best for them. I want them to follow me without questioning my leadership. How often are we demanding that we are followed without thinking of the needs of those behind us? I believe, ultimately, that this is what the purpose of this scripture is pointing out. All governments are built with a leader so far away from their people that they never hear from them directly. Everything is funneled through countless channels and many, many levels before it ever lands into the person making the decision. How do, we combat, how do we combat this in our own lives? What does it look like for you to remove those barriers that keep the ones below you from getting to you? But this gain is for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivating fields. This line is confusing even to the people writing the commentaries. No one seemed to really understand why being a king is, why being a king is committing to fields and that it is probably one of those dead phrases that meant something a long time ago and now really means nothing. The only light any, any commentary shined was to explain that the land, land then was the most precious, precious asset to have. If a person lost their land, they lost their ability to live. They couldn't protect their families or future generations of their families. That a king's priority should be to protect his people's land. If we look at that in regards of our own lives, I think we can ask ourselves, what is our personal field and what fields do the people around me need to protect? The part of this that makes sense to me and hopefully to you is that while at first glance, a hope, it is a hopeless and disappointing part of scripture and it is a warning. It, is also, it also has hope and encouragement sowed through the warnings. While in the midst of our frustrating moments and disappointing disappointments, we can live in the strength that generations before us may have suffered too, but God meets us. God provides. He is the king minding our fields. We stand and amazed at the foot of the cross. We don't need to stand amazed at the mess the humans have made. Our work in those around us. Well, while we can have compassion 
tears and pain for the terrible things happening around us in this world, from violence to hunger to slavery to environmental issues. We have the knowledge that for the most part, none of us will ever cause great change in those issues, but we can affect change in our own fields. We don't have to stop and take on every problem and struggle out there. We can accept that and then look at where we are called to and what is actually placed in front of us that we can affect. Our, li- our lives today aren't bound to land the same way as back then. We don't have the same sort of expectations of being landowners that need to harvest all of our own food from our farms and raise our animals to eat, make clothing, and sell. We all have things that we are attached to, though, for our own personal safety and well-being. Homes, cars, jobs, families, friends, etc. are the fields that we need to make our way through in this world. Are you letting the king, God, manage these things, or are you trying to take them over? Are you waking up each day in amazement at the lacking of your life, or are you waking up in amazement of God? I know I often struggle with feeling like all I can see is the lacking and disappointments in my day-to-day life. I get fussy, and I throw a fit like a toddler in need of a nap. And it is true that sometimes we need to lament and cry out and have those good weeping and gnashing sessions with God. I do not need to wake up and be amazed by the suffering. I need to wake up and give these things to Christ and be amazed by what he will do, which may not be quick healing. We all have sufferings we have carried longer than we want. I have suffered from migraines since I was a teenager, and I have carried depression and anxiety with me as long as I can remember. I would love to wake up without those things one day and never know that pain again. So far in my life, that hasn't been my answer. And some days I'm okay with that, and some days I am not. I get angry and frustrated. I lash out at those those that love me because I want to hurt someone because I am hurt. I want to stand in front of Christ and be amazed at him for those things that he has freed me from and not be mad about the pains I still bear. What are the things that you shouldn't be amazed at but should be amazed God for? I know it feels complicated and almost like a backward ways to look at, look at it, but a lot of Ecclesiastes feels backwards. Why should I be amazed at God for my suffering and the suffering of others? I think what is being said, though, is that while suffering will always exist, and that government will always fail to provide adequate protection, our hope doesn't live in democracy, socialism, monarchy. Our hope lives in God, and God is not linear. He doesn't see our lives and the world the way we see it. He sees all things at all times. He is managing all the fields in existence and covering all the pains. Our own local and eternal pain, but also the greater plights and world concerns. We can pray, give money, and even help practically sometimes, but we can't save the world because that job was assigned to Jesus. We can simply and safely let go of the weight of the world because the weight isn't ours. Our hearts will continue to break for the things big and small because we see the world and we know it could be better. We will continue to want to fix problems because we are humans with compassion and grace. We live in a sea of grace, so of course we would want all to have that too. I do not know the future, but I imagine that tomorrow when I wake up, more bad and sad news will exist. I imagine that our own personal lives, we will continue to struggle and that systems designed to help us will fail us. 
I do not know how all these things will turn out, but I do know that it is grace that carries us through, and grace is what we have in abundance at all times. Because in the end, there is just one king, and that king doesn't need a government to rule.